0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. It is a Thursday edition of the show, but not our last episode of the week as we have another one coming up on Friday, but we are going to talk about everything that we saw and heard from during today's session at the NFL Combine. That's right. Pewter Report is still in Indianapolis, as we spoke to a variety of defensive backs, both at corner and safety, very Georgia-driven today, go Dawgs. Uh, We'll talk about some of the Georgia players that uh, the Bucs are speaking to as well and get into the tight ends, which could be a situation that the Bucs find themselves adding a new player uh, from that. Uh, from that draft class. So I'm your host Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from pewterreport.com, Bailey Adams. We are doing a substitution, much like the Bucks benching Joe Traianenko and putting in Yaya Diaby. We are benching Josh capo We actually kicked him to the curb. We said, "Get out of town. We don't even <laughs> want to be near you. Please take the first flight home." And um, bringing in Bailey Adams. Bailey. How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Um, should we clarify? No, we can just leave it there. We did. We kicked Josh in the curb. Yes.
0: Yeah, he is, um, as we used to do on the show all the time, he is suspended <laughs> until further notice. And uh, he's suspended at least for two months. Um, yeah. Wink, wink. We'll, <laughs> we'll get back into that in just a moment. Um, but before we talk about some of the tight ends and, and defensive backs and everything like that, by the way, shout out to all the Peter people that are joining us for today's show. Um, some other Bucks news that went on. We'll start with the retired Buccaneer because he gets talked about no matter what. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady ran the 40-yard dash blazing, again. Blazing speed. And it's so funny, Bailey, because earlier in this week, I was thinking, and maybe I said it aloud and no one listened, is that um, the fact that Noble is sponsoring the combine, you see all the players wearing their Noble t-shirts and, and things of that nature. It would make sense for Tom to either be at the combine or do some type of marketing campaign because he did merge tb12 with noble and lo and behold he did um 24 years later after he infamously ran the 40 yard dash and even more famously um had that 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 picture of him during the the measurements and everything like that which was famously worn by the buccaneers when they won the super bowl at the boat parade after vita vea had it on Kevin minter guys like that tom brady Ran the 40 yard dash again and had a better time. (laughs) And what is he now? 46 46 years (laughs) old than he did back when he was at 22. Um, I believe his time was 5.18, which, hey, I hope 24 years from now I'm able to run a faster 40 yard dash faster than I can run it
1: now. And I'm 25. So, Um, yeah, no, believe it or not, I was listening earlier this week when you mentioned Tom Brady and something with the combine uh this week so yeah he did he did run the 40 today and beat his 22 year old self which was a sight to behold i mean tom brady we saw him in tampa he, scr- yeah. he was he was a scrambling king as, he was as john as john ledyard yes and in, uh in that story back in 2021 i found it today and a scrambling king after that uh that 10 yard run he had against the giants in monday night football but yeah, fun, we, fun we used line. to
0: joke that he was a dual threat quarterback. He actually yep. had 81 rushing yards in the 2021 season, <laughs> had over a thousand rushing yards in his uh, NFL career and seven career rushing touchdowns with the Buccaneers, six in the regular season and one um, in the postseason as well. But it just shows Tom Brady, even when he's retired, anytime he yeah. does an athletic event, uh, people talk about he's it the needle will watch it. Yes, he does move the needle and it was kind of fun to just reminisce a little bit real quickly about Brady and his time uh in Tampa Bay so that was fun to see a fun little video you can check it out on peterreport.com as well the other little bit of box news that doesn't necessarily pertain to the draft at the moment star linebacker and yes I'm saying star linebacker I did not mince words there Levante David was on good morning football kind of talking about free agency and uh what that situation is looking like at the moment, Bailey. And um, from what he was saying, I know Bucks fans want Levante David back in Tampa Bay. Odds are probably a good chance that it's going to happen. But the way he was talking about, I still got more in me. Does that mean he might be playing for more than just next season?
1: I don't know. I'm... I think we can kind of put to bed the rest or put to bed the idea that he might be retiring because it kind yeah. of did. I know there were some rumblings early in the offseason where it kind of seemed like, oh, people were saying on Instagram he was hinting toward retirement. But this quote itself says, you know, he's ready to go. He says, man, I'm ready to play. I still feel like I've got a lot left in me. Still going to give it a shot. I'm going to let my body tell me when it's time to give up and when it's time to let it go. But right now, I feel pretty good. I have a lot of confidence, so especially after the season we just had. I've been hearing a lot of praise and stuff like that. a guy like me up there in age i like to hear that so it definitely gives me confidence to keep it going so i know you know one he's been doing one year deals he might do maybe another one year deal um but you know maybe maybe he does have two years left in him who knows he'll continue to play and try to beat father time much like tom brady did
0: yeah and it kind of takes me back to what ronde barber former teammate of avante david what ronde was saying Last week on um, the j and Z show on WDAE, where he said Levante should kind of go the. He, I'm, I'm not saying this like word for word, but verbatim, what he was kind of saying was that for Rondé, at the end of his own career, he wanted to keep going back to the Bucks, but he just signed one year deal. After one year deal, because it worked best for him, it kind of worked for the Bucks, obviously. So when Rondé did want to retire, that was it. Like yeah. he didn't have to worry about money being allocated and in different situations. And it kind of sounds like that's what uh, Levante David wants to do as well, where he's not going to be tied down to anything or any uh, commitment that he has to do further than one season, but you can still get the right price, the right deal that he wants to do season by season. Now there was a little, Miscommunication, I guess, that's probably not even the right word, yeah. but uh, something that David had said about not talking with the Buccaneers, but Jason Light also has opened the lines of communication. So we should probably just clarify that. Yeah. A bit. So
1: on on Tuesday, when we spoke to Jason Light, he had said, you know, we, we started the conversations with Mike Baker, Levante, Antoine, Tristan. Um, and, you know, he didn't say he said, I think I think those talks are going well. But Levante David said communication hasn't really started up yet or nothing like that. But throughout the season and exit meetings, we all expressed how we feel about one another. And he says they would, love, he, they would love for him to be back. He would love to be back as well. And he kind of gave the similar lines to what he's been saying about, you know, you never know, but he does want to be back. He wants to retire a buck. And it could have been, you know, them saying, him saying, communication hasn't really started up yet. When he says hasn't really started up yet, maybe it means it hasn't progressed that far yet. It could have been something as simple as the buck saying, hey, you know, you're, you're important to us. We want you back. We've got to get these other ones done first, kind of like they've done um, in past years. And I I would be really, really surprised to see him sign anywhere else. I know he talked about that possibility and said, you know, there's you know, there's possibilities like you can never say never. He said, I know there's probably the fact that somebody else can come swoop me up, but he's he's open to all options. But he would love to finish his career in Tampa. So I'm not I wouldn't be too worried about Levante playing elsewhere. I think he will be back in Tampa again.
0: Yeah, to pretty much paraphrase everything, it's like the Bucs are saying, we love you, Levante. We're going to take care of you and have you back with the Bucs. But in order to sign you, we have to take care, we have to connect the dots with Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, and Anton Winfield Jr., and you know maybe an extension with, with Tristan Works as well. But we have to connect those dots first in order to bring you um, into the fold and into the puzzle as well. And obviously, that's a puzzle then. Levante David wants to be a part of because the Bucs, let's remember, mentioned the second round of the playoffs last yeah. year. So they are much closer to competing for a title than they are plummeting and competing for a top five draft pick. So that's just some of your updated news surrounding the Bucks as a team. Tom Brady, that's separate, but, you know, it's Tom, it's Tom Brady. So kind of the exception to the rule. Bailey, let's talk about the tight ends and, and that position group who we spoke to today, uh, kind of what we heard. And also, um, let's just kind of give our thoughts about the Bucks tight end room yeah. as
1: well. Um, how do you view it? What do you want to see um, or how it should improve? Or just your overall thoughts. I think there's definitely, you know, 100% that they need to add there. Yeah. How they do that, I'm not 100% sure right now. I know um, Kate Otten has been, I think, you know, for a fourth round pick, he's, he's done a lot um with that draft status but i don't know that he's a true number one i think yeah. he's he's valuable and i think he would be even more valuable as a number two like that's a very strong number two tight end whether they go out and sign a veteran uh in free agency whether it's a cheap one-year deal however they decide to go about that they could do that or they could go the draft route i know they have quite a few needs they might address but they talked to a few guys here uh in indianapolis i almost said mobile yeah. indianapolis <laughs> um at the combine Saw so guys in Mobile, yeah yeah, and um, three formal meetings and then some more uh, informal meetings. I think I – wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it as – and it, it, it'll probably depend on what they do in free agency. If they go out and sign a veteran, this is not going to be you know maybe even a day one or two, two draft. It'll probably be a day sure. three draft need. If they don't sign one and they go into the draft with Dot and with Co'Keefe to Payne Durham as their three, you might kind of see them go maybe a, a, day, a second round, third round pick on day two. Uh, go the tight end route and it'll be interesting because we, we talked to, to coach Bowles. We talked to Jason light on Tuesday. I yes. talked a lot. both of them at different points brought up pain and said, they we did. expect Payne to take a step forward and be a, a red zone threat. Um, he's a big bodied guy. And that's kind of what, when they drafted him, it was, you know, he, that's somebody who'd be valuable in the red zone. We didn't see it uh, really much in his rookie season. And you know, they're they're always going to kind of pump up their guys. I think they're yeah. going to, throw some of that out there at this time of the year and say, you know what, we're good with who we have. And then, you know, they'll, they'll go a different route in the draft. So throwing throwing teams off the scent, but definitely think they need to add there. And there's some interesting guys to talk to today. Absolutely. Well, we'll mention them in in just a moment.
0: The Payne Durham thing is interesting because the whole talk last year, and even right now is the Bucs have a young tight end room and When I hear that and when I think about it, that kind of makes me want the Bucs to sign a veteran tight end. Gerald Everett is a guy that has worked with Liam Cohen going back to um, the Los Angeles Rams. Because if you're banking on or hoping for Payne Durham to kind of take a step forward, that's all fine and dandy. But unless he becomes like a true receiving threat or an elite run blocker or things of that nature – if you're banking on Payne Durham taking another step and you draft another tight end in this year's class, well, you're just kind of keeping the same idea system yeah. of a very young tight end room. And Kate Auden, while we like, is definitely way more suited to be a tight end too. But I'm fine with having two tight ends that probably are overall second strings, but you have two solid second stringers. You mold it together, you yeah, get an average I, tight, end, tight end. I kind of
1: go back to something that uh, Jason Light said on Tuesday. He said, "You know, talking about the tight end room, they need a compliment there." He talked about Kate. He said, "We need a compliment." I think Kate is a compliment. Yes. I think they yes, need exactly. a number one. I agree. I they need a number one tight end, um, and you know, however that comes, we'll see. And I, I think I, I do kind of agree with you. you. Know they have a very young group as it is. You know, Kate Odden's going into his third year, so he's not so young anymore, but. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be be interesting to see what they do there because they could add a little bit of a veteran presence to kind of carry them into 2024.
0: So there were three formal uh, meetings that the Bucs had with tight end players. It was Florida State tight end Jaheim Bell, Washington tight end Devin Culp. We'll have more about him in just a moment. And Ohio State tight end Cade Stover. Um, some of the informal interviews they had, Ben Sinnott from Kansas State, Theo Johnson from Penn State, Minnesota's uh, Brevin Ford, who is quite familiar with Co-Keefe. Yeah. Once again, a lot of um, Bucks presences yeah. uh, uh, across the board, both at safety and, and tight end, of course. Um, and Iowa's Eric All, which was in uh, Scott Reynolds' Bucks' seven-round mock draft, the, the 2.0. So uh, Iowa tight ends in the NFL <laughs> just seem to be fantastic. So that's yeah. pretty cool to see. Um, before we talk about some of the Washington tight ends that, that know Kate Otten, what I will say about Shaheem Bell, I found it quite interesting. He had a formal and informal interview with the Buccaneers, so certainly on their radar in more ways than one. He is very much a receiving tight end. Um, there were some talks about, like, are you going to play wide receiver or tight end? Um, he talked a lot about his explosiveness as a receiver. Pretty good at yards after the catch. Now at the senior ball, I wasn't too impressed. I don't think he necessarily lit it up, but he can yeah. kind of play that um, that fullback role as well, which the Bucks like to do. They use it with Co Kieft. Of yes, he's a tight end, but he'll line up in the backfield. I understand it from. Yes, the Bucks need a one-blocking tight end, but they, they need like a true receiving threat tight end as well. Kate Oden can come up in the clutch. He can make the big plays, yeah, Bailey, I mean, when he's wide open, yeah. but he struggles pretty heavily with the contested catch. So if the Bucks are really looking, trying to do an air raid or, or something like that, Jaheen Bell uh, is certainly a, a way more interesting pick. But if they want to get physical and kind of commit to that ground game, I don't know if, um, if Jaheim Bell is necessarily the guy. Um, the other formal interview, Kate Stover out of Ohio State, his story is super, super interesting. For half his career at Ohio State, he, he was a linebacker. <laughs> he was a linebacker, and then all of a sudden they had a shortage at tight end, and they said, uh, hey, can you move over and play tight end? And he did because he is – the ultimate team guy. So (laughs) a certain uh, versatility there in ways that maybe the box didn't expect, but Hey, I mean, we saw what happened last year. Uh, Ryan Neal had to play linebacker (laughs) in that game when there were some injuries. So if they were to take a guy like Stover, maybe he can go and, um, (laughs) and play linebacker. That'd be two Cades
1: at tight end as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I said
0: that in the Peter report group chat. Can you imagine two (laughs) Cades at tight end? But Bailey, you spoke to um, Devin Culp and then uh, another Washington tight end as well. And yes. there is a fair amount of um, familiarity with one Kate Otten.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, they all come from Washington. Um, and I talked to Devin Culp and Jack Westover. Jack Westover has not met with the Bucs in Indy. Devin Culp said he's, a, he's another one like Jaheim Bell who's met formally and informally with the Bucs. Um, and I talked to both of them about you know Kate Otten about some of the Huskies that are on the, Bucks, uh, on the Bucks roster as it is. We know how much the Bucs love to draft, and even they mm-hmm. signed Greg Gaines last year, another Washington player. But um, Devin Culp's called uh, Cade called and his big brother and said he got to watch and play with Cade for a long time. And he said that you know he went through some tough times, and Cade was always the first person to shoot me a text or give me a hug or just check on me mentally. So I've got nothing but the utmost respect for Cade. And Westover is an interesting one. I know he didn't meet uh, formally with the Bucks or informally, um, he's, he comes from a basketball background. He was a basketball player, only played two games of football in high yeah, school. Antonio Tony Gates, Tony Gonzalez um, yeah. <laughs> going that route, Jimmy Graham. He was talking kind of about, you know, he was asked, he said he did translate his basketball background kind of to the field as far as the pass catching and all that. But um, he was asked about his blocking and kind of, you know, how that process went along. And he said, I think all tight ends when they get to college, no tight end knows how to block, he said. So you're at a base <laughs> level with everybody else. And he said he had guys to learn from. Uh, and drew sample k dot and hunter bryant and then he talked a little bit more about Cade and said that you know they were super close and that Cade could have been a guy who was kind of on his own thing i guess he's on the nfl path so he could have been you know on his own done his own thing he said but he always took the time to help out the younger guys for me it was really beneficial he was just a guy you wanted to watch and see how he operated and said he's someone i want to model my game after for sure because these guys have a lot of respect for for Cade, i think as a person and yeah. as well as a, as a player I And mean, we've heard all all that i think about Cade, um, you know, even leading into the draft, you know, back in 2022 and after they drafted him, what a, what a great person he was. Um, and then I talked to Culp. Culp had a little bit more to say about, you know, the possibility of joining his uh, former Washington teammates in Tampa. And he said, you know, he was always, he was close with Joe Tryon-Shoinka as well. I said they spent a lot of time together and he said whenever he wanted a laugh, he would go hang out with Joe because he said he's kind of a jokester. And then he said he was uh, his freshman year, his, his locker mate was Greg Gaines. Um, and said that Greg's always been very, very uh, kind to him as well. And um, doesn't really, I mean, obviously, Vita Vea was before his yeah. time in Washington, but said he's always heard good things about Vita Vea uh, as well as a leader. And, you know, said he always shows love to the, to the dogs that come down uh, from Washington to Tampa. So, really interesting to talk to both of those guys because they had a lot to say about, you know, especially K. Dotten, but also, you know, the Bucks Washington contention.
0: Yeah, the, the Washington pipeline is strong <laughs> and could be even stronger after this draft. Let's hear a little bit more from Jack Westover and
2: Devin Cole. Yeah, me and Cade were uh, super, super close. You know, I, I uh, he he helped me a, a ton. He, he was a great leader for me. And, uh, you know, I think for, for him, you know, he could have been a guy that, you know, kind of just pushed everybody to the side because he was kind of, you know, doing his own, you know, he could have done his own thing. But he, uh, you know, he always took the time to, you know, help, help the younger guys out. And for me, it was... Really beneficial. He was just a guy that you know you wanted to watch and see how he operated, and uh, um, someone I really want to model my game after for sure.
3: Man, it'd be a big blessing. Uh, I know that Tampa likes their dogs, and um, to be reunited with you know Joe and um, Cade would be amazing. And Greg Gaines was also um, like a big brother to me as well. We were actually locker mates in 2018, my freshman year, and uh, Greg's always been super cool towards me. So it'd be nice to you know get to reunite with all those guys. And I've always heard nothing but great things about Vita Van and the type of leader he is, and the type of love that he shows to the, the dogs if they ever come into Tampa. So uh, i would be excited to be able to be a, be a part of that and experience that with them.
0: Now, Cade Otten wasn't the only current Buccaneers tight end that was getting a shout-out from uh, some of the prospects that we spoke to at the Combine today. Minnesota tight end Brevin Span Ford actually has a pretty good relationship with Co-Keefe, Um, to the point that early on in, when he was up at the podium – Kind of unprompted, he was talking about his pathway to Minnesota and how um, he wouldn't be as successful as he was with the Golden Gophers if it wasn't for a veteran presence like Keith to help pave the way for him. Um, then he spoke a little bit more about Coke and the teammate that he was and how he views Coke as well. Um, you can hear his words for it too uh... <laughs> To believe what he actually said
3: coming into high, uh from high school i was a call, uh, high school wide receiver so uh when i first got to school it was kind of a whirlwind for me uh you know having to learn all the blocking techniques and things like that but uh i had great guys around me uh buccaneers co uh you know he was one of the guys that you know he's he's making his way in the nfl right now he was a senior leader for me and uh you know i, I took a lot from him and uh those guys and uh, Colton Beebe, uh, Jake Paulson, Bryce with uh, them. There were older guys in my room that really kind of reinforced, you know, uh, the type of tight ends we have to be for not only for our offense but within the conference.
0: How cool is it to see Cole Keefe playing at the NFL level, contributing on offense? And what was he like as a teammate? I know you just mentioned a little yeah, bit of funny. Yeah,
3: it's awesome seeing him, uh, you know, compete with the Buccaneers. Um, you know, just having uh, you know a near and dear friend of me uh, doing so well in the NFL, it's awesome. Uh, he's a great person off the field as well. Uh, we created a relationship uh, over our, our years at Minnesota together. Um, you know, got nothing to love for him. Uh, he's doing great, um, and I look forward to seeing him soon. What's the thing he used to
0: say, big man gotta eat, or something like that? Yeah, uh,
3: you know, he's, he's got a lot of different sayings. Uh, you know, I just know him as, you know, he's a big angry ginger. So, uh, <laughs> so he's, a, he's, a, he's a beast, man.
0: A big, angry ginger. That's how Bucks he... Bucks like those. Yes, they, yeah. they like a good amount of um of big, angry gingers. And you can kind of tell by the way that Spanford was talking about Coe. I mean, obviously he thinks Coe is a funny guy if he's if he's going to call him something like that. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit more because Coe Keith, he's got two career touchdowns, um, way more of a blocker than he is a receiver yeah. now, and he is a, for sure expendable in his position, but there are some guys that you keep around because they are I- important in the locker room. They're the glue guys that kind of make, make a team. And I, I think Coquette might fall into that category uh, just a, a little bit. But anyway, I thought that was a, a funny soundbite, so
1: I want to make sure one, that we shared it with the Peter people. One thing about that, and it kind of goes back to what they t- we talked about with Cade and, and just their relationship to some of these guys, and it gives you a sense of the type of people that the Bucks look to draft. You know yes. they they, yeah, they are absolutely. very big on on character, on captains, on leaders, and on just you know good people. Um, that's something they've been really really big on over the last few years, and you can kind of see it by the way these guys talk about them. And I mean, I know Bucks fans know already with some of these guys what they do in the community and just kind of their personalities off the field. They already are are well aware of that. But it's it's there's a certain type of person that fits with what the Bucks culture has turned into.
0: And there's going to be a little bit of
1: newness to this.
0: Uh, Box culture because there's a couple of new coaches yeah. um, on the staff. Liam Cohen, obviously the offensive coordinator, and a new wide receivers coach as well with Brian McClendon, who's been to a couple of different places in college football, and and, and Georgia was one of them. Where um, you know he's part of, part of the passing game for sure. The biggest name that was up at the podium today, I think, more than any position, whether it was cornerback, safety, or tight end, was Georgia tight end brock bowers i mean the the amount of people that were up at his podium i think was larger than anything we've seen so far at this um nfl combine and uh, adam slavon was able to get brock bowers uh thoughts on brian mclendon who he got to work with at georgia who will now be working with the buccaneers what do
4: you say about brian mclendon and the job that he's going to do in
2: the nfl yeah i mean i think he'll do great he was awesome at georgia um i, mean, I loved having him around and he helped out a lot
0: and, of course, um, another big name that Bucs fans should be paying attention to, not just because he went to Kansas State, and uh, we know Pewter report Scott Reynolds is a uh, Wildcat alum, Um, But Ben Sinnott was in the first Pewter Report mock draft, would be a very nice fit for Tampa Bay. Um, as we mentioned earlier, met informally with the Bucs, and uh, Scott caught up with him. Got his thoughts about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just kind of what he what he brings to the, the NFL level.
5: So, Ben, have you met with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
2: Uh, I've met with the, the Tampa Bay informally um, and then a bunch of the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: How'd those meetings go?
2: They went really good. Um, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm hearing. Uh, uh, they seem like great people from, from my interactions. So I'm re- really looking forward to just continuing that communication.
5: Can you talk about your versatility, not just being an inline tight end, but somebody that can be a move tight end, page back, a pullback, and and playing a lot of roles?
2: Yeah, I think my versatility is really my separator in this class. Uh, Just just being able to do so many different roles and and being trusted with so many responsibilities, um, I think it really helps me. Uh, I think that's my difference maker, for sure. Uh, so I think it only makes me more valuable, uh, and I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of do anything for a team. So
5: You were able to break a lot of tackles, slip a lot of tackles, mm-hmm. fertile a yeah. lot of would-be tacklers. W- what is it about your ability to get yards after the catch?
2: Yeah, I mean, every time I catch a ball, I want to score. Um, I want to run through a dude or go over him if I can. Uh, so uh, I think it just it comes to that mindset of of wanting to get in the paint every time you touch the ball and just wanting to extend the play for your team.
1: Have you played with the Cowboys
2: Sorry.
0: If the Bucs were to draft this man, I know Scott would be pretty happy about it. He'd be pretty pumped up, and uh, I think the, the excitement he would bring would kind of be the same amount of energy and excitement that Scott would get from chugging a Celsius energy drink, which, of course, is the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. Make sure you check out the new line. Of Celsius energy drinks that they have, which is the Celsius Essentials. They got the Blue Crush, which is awesome. The Dragonberry is fantastic um, as well. So, if you need to know where to find some of the Celsius Essentials, which are the Tall Boys, or maybe it's um, some of the old school flavors, the Sparkling Orange, the Tropical Vibe, the Arctic Vibe, um, go to the Celsius store locator like we've been doing while we're here in Indianapolis. Punch in your address, and I'll tell you the closest location where you can go pick one up could be. Uh, a Walmart, a 7-Eleven, a health and fitness store, or maybe, if you're lucky, it could be your bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you want to start buying it in bulk so you can get more, you can. I'd recommend getting that variety pack. Um, Head on over to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, and you can have it sent to your place of residence. Whenever you want, you're in charge of it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy drinks. Make Celsius your Number one pick, Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. And joining
5: us on the show now will be Scott Reynolds and Adam Slavon. Yeah, busy day today. We got a chance to do a little offense and a little defense. Uh, Matt and Bailey were talking about the tight ends and uh, one of those guys, Ben Sinnott. I'm very familiar with that. I have watched Kansas State football. He would be one of those, those guys, I think, that would, would be a, a nice – fit to maybe replace a co you know it's someone someone who could play fullback play tight end uh, an h-back role if you will yeah and also catch the ball and and really be kind of a complete tight end um and probably a mid-round pick i don't see tampa bay drafting a tight end early uh, that might roll out Cade stover who's one of the players that they did interview and meet with uh, formally and informally so there was some interest there in Stover uh, who's a really good tight end, but at the same time, I think they're probably looking day three. I know that they've got a collection of day three guys yep, from Kate Otten in the fourth round, Keeft, Payne, uh, uh, Payne Durham. So uh, probably going to draft another guy like that, but maybe they can get a guy that's a little bit more
4: complete. Yeah. You, you mentioned Senate and I just see it being a great Bucks fit. Uh, not just a, Kansas State connection, but his skill set. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. A lot of the top rushing offenses in the league, when you look at the 49ers, the Dolphins, they have a fullback. Yep. And Coach he did okay as a rookie, but last year, he's, he's really one-dimensional. Right. And he wasn't an exceptional blocker. And I think Ben Sinek could offer that versatility where you have that H-back, somebody that can go and block and create lanes for Rashad White, and then pairing that, having the potential to be a number one tight end, or at least a great compliment to Kate Otten, that could be another element that the offense is missing. And with Sennett in particular, he kind of checks the bill as like that
5: fourth round, fifth round guy. Yeah, I agree. And and the other thing too, with Kokief, it just became so telling. They force fed him three targets in that yeah. open season opener and didn't catch any of them. Now he did catch a touchdown pass to his credit this year, but really was not used as a receiver at all. He's really a tell right when he's on the field it's pretty much a tell to the uh, opposing defenses that it's going to be a run play and that's that's predictable and you really can't have that if you, if you want to show your hand um, you know and you've got a, a great running attack and saying yeah we brought our our uh, blocking tight end in and, and get ready for it um, then, then that's okay but the Buccaneers don't have that stout running game where it doesn't matter if you know it's coming or not because you're not going to be able to stop it, um, Tampa Bay's running game could be stopped and stopped often. Yeah. So I, I, I think having a guy on the field, whether it becomes Payne Durham and he becomes a, a, a better blocker this year, if Otten becomes bigger and, and becomes a better blocker, they draft a guy like Sennett or, um, uh, or maybe a Cade Stover that has some blocking ability, maybe even uh, Devin Culp from Washington mm-hmm. – then you're not getting into that predictable uh, personnel grouping. Yeah, and I think if you draft a rookie tight end, whether that's
4: Senate, whether that's Colt or Stover, there's a lot of upside there. You mentioned Payne Durham being that 6'6", uh, 260-pound guy and being a red zone threat. You kind of have a flavor of each archetype at tight end. Right. You have Kate Otten, who's maybe a little bit more down the seam, a little more vertical, Durham as a red zone guy, and then having a kind of do-it-all, whether it's catching or blocking mm-hmm. in either Senate or Stover. So it's really interesting to see
5: uh, if the Bucks choose to go with the tight end and who it might be. Yeah. Now, uh, let's switch gears a little bit, look at the defensive side, because the lead today, of course, was the Georgia Bulldogs that uh, the Tampa Bay interviewed, and not just interviewed, but formally. So here's a list of, of the formal players that they interviewed from the defensive backfield. And uh, this is a, a pretty good representation of two out of the three Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, we're looking at Javon Bullard, the safety, number 22, and Kamari Lasseter, number three, the cornerback. And Bullard and Tyke Smith both played in the slot. They both played... Some free and some strong safety that they were kind of interchangeable in that Georgia secondary, and I think that's part of the appeal because Todd Bowles likes to be able to have Antoine Winfield Jr. play center field as a free safety, move him into the box. We've seen him play um, man up in, in the slot before, not as effective there, but certainly can do it in a pinch if there's a favorable matchup there in Tampa Bay's, um, you know, a favorite if he wants to, to match him up, Monavon uh, Mono on. Uh, a slot receiver or a tight end, and so having versatile guys like some of these Georgia Bulldogs can really help out Todd Bowles' defense. And he kind of has a little insight into Georgia, does he not? Yeah. And when you look at Javon Bullard in particular, I remember him being someone
4: uh, at the Senior Bowl. And you have Tyler Newbin and Cameron Kitchens are maybe the two top safeties in the draft class. But Javon Bullard on day two, whether that's maybe round three or four, he could be an option for the Bucks to consider. And when you look at some of the formal and informal meetings that the Bucs have had, it looks like safety maybe isn't the biggest need for them as they didn't formally meet with Newbin or Kinchins, Uh, but they met with some guys further down the board. Uh, Another guy was Bo Braid, and he said that he spoke with the Bucs informally, and he had some nice things to say. He said that the Bucs are already a great defense, and they really know what they're doing. And uh, whether they go with a guy on day two, it seems like – they want to get a guy who can compliment
5: Antoine Winfield Jr. And as you said, be another chess piece in that defense. Exactly. Well, you mentioned Javon Bullard. This is what Javon Bullard had to say. And the key thing about uh, the affinity that, that they might have, remember a couple of years ago in 2022, the Buccaneers were very high on Lewis C. his safety out of Georgia and might have drafted him over Logan Hall had he been there. But the Minnesota Vikings traded up into the bottom uh, first, the bottom of the first round at number 32 to select Louis Seen that left Logan Hall on the board for the Buccaneers to start the second round. So this is what Javon Bullard had to say, uh, by the way, uh, Todd Bowles, son, Troy Bowles mm. is a linebacker at Georgia. So there's certainly some uh, other connections there for Bucs head coach, Todd Bowles. Here's
6: always perk up when you know you listen to that.
2: So speaking of blitzing, Todd Bowles and the Bucks blitz a lot and they could be using, uh, in need of another safety. Can you talk a little bit about potentially playing for the Bucks and playing with Antoine Winfield
6: Jr.? Oh, man, I was just talking about the guy, man. Uh, one of those players that I've definitely grown to love. Um, I mean, the guy is not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but he's a football player. And At this level, man, that's all you want. You want a football player. The guy's a football player. He's an all-pro safety. And he, he does—he plays the game so well, man. One of the guys that I look up to for sure and uh, model my game after for sure. What was it like to get to talk to them? It was amazing. Dream come true. Yeah, man, I'm... I'm like a kid at a candy store, man. Like, I'm talking to, uh, head coaches, you know, and GM shaking hands with guys that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't dream of, of seeing.
2: what you, know? you talk about with Todd Bowles?
6: Just everything, man. Uh, his son, you know, shout out my boy Troy, man. But, uh, just everything, man. Um, just, it was more so me, um, showing, uh, showcasing my skill set, my, uh, mental uh, abilities and my football IQ. And, I'm uh, just, uh, them getting to know me as a, as off the field as well as on. And, uh, it, it was amazing, man.
5: So the thing about Javon Bullard is he played three years at Georgia and compactly built guys you saw there, about five eleven hundred ninety five 195 pounds, three-and-a-half sacks, four interceptions. So he's a splashy player, eight pass breakups, and a fumble recovery. And I think he would be a great addition to, to Tampa Bay because he has the ability to play in the box with that frame, and make some plays near the line of scrimmage, do some underneath coverage, but also has some range, I think, and, and the 40-yard dash time will be key just to see that long speed, but maybe also when Winfield comes down in the box, you need somebody to go back there, and we know it wasn't Ryan Neal last year. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Ryan Neal,
4: but towards the end of the season, you did see the Bucs kind of get creative, whether that was Zion McCollum kind of playing as that deep safety, and then also Isian and Merriweather also kind of sprinkled in there. So it'll be intriguing whether the Bucs choose to maybe draft somebody to either play in the nickel and push Izzy and yep. or Merriweather back to strong safety, or if they draft that strong safety
5: and are confident enough that Izzy and can really hold down that nickel spot long-term. That's right. Now there was another safety that the Buccaneers had a chance to talk to. And uh, that was uh, Tyke Smith who was also at the senior bowl. Again, we mentioned senior bowl only because the Buccaneers have an affinity for drafting senior yeah. bowl prospects. They've drafted five in each of the last two years, from the Senior Bowl, and Jason Light has drafted at least one Senior Bowl participant in every year since he's become the general manager back in 2014. Uh, at least two players every year with the exception of only one season. So uh, it's definitely something that the Buccaneers really hone in on. Of course, that is kind of the creme de la creme when it comes to talent. When these college all-star games, interestingly enough, uh, the last two seasons, this year and last year, neither Jason Light nor Todd Bowles was at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. because They were trying to find offensive coordinators. Yeah, and when you look at the Senior Bowl in
4: particular, it really has been like the gold mine for the Bucs. Yeah. Uh, last year, pretty much all the top picks um, besides Kalajic Hanty were at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. So it's definitely an avenue that the Bucs have been keeping in mind every year in the draft process.
5: Yeah. So here's uh, Tykee Smith. Talking about uh, his time at Georgia and uh, and also Kamari Lassiter. Mikey, one uh, one head
0: coach in the NFL that really knows how to work with defensive backs is Todd Bowles. How cool would it be to play for him, especially since you're teammates with his son Troy? Uh,
6: definitely, definitely would be amazing. Uh, I think the interview I had with them went, went amazing. So uh, definitely would be a pleasure to play for them and uh, be able to play for Tampa Bay. Okay? Was that a
0: formal or informal interview? Formal. Yeah. Kamari, okay. Todd Bowles is a coach that loves working with defensive backs. How cool Cool would it be to work with him, especially since
6: you were teammates with his son, Troy? Yeah, I mean that'll be great. Uh I've never met Coach Bowles, but uh you know I know Troy, and um, if, if Coach Bowles is anything like Troy, I know it'll be uh, an amazing opportunity. Did it's
3: you something. meet with the Bucs at all? Yes, sir, I have met with them. Is that formal or informal? It was formal. Uh, how was it meeting
0: some of the, the coaching staff and what they were? It was to? great.
6: Um, we had a great meeting. You know, we were able to just you know talk a lot of ball. Uh, they were able to pick my brain. You know, see see what I'm like on
5: Yeah. Now the interesting thing about Tyke Smith and how he differs from Javon Bullard is uh, Bullard was a three-year player at Georgia. Tyke Smith played five years in college, his first two seasons at West Virginia, then the last three at Georgia. So he's got two more years worth of experience under his belt. And of course, more statistics. As a result, you're looking at 21 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, eight interceptions, including a pick six, 12 pass breakups and two forced fumbles. So whether it's Javon Bullard or Tyke Smith and I think pro Football Focus has these guys graded almost kind of neck and neck yeah and probably that day two day three um, you know early day three probably second through fourth round again depending on testing and you know kind of like does one team prefer one safety over another? But I, I think there's a pretty decent chance Tampa Bay comes away with the Georgia defensive back, whether it's Tykee Smith, whether it's Jabon Bullard, or whether it's Kamari Lassiter. It
4: definitely may be a new pipeline for the Bucs yeah. uh, with both of those prospects, given the fact that the Bucks they went and got Brian McClendon, the receivers coach, and yeah. the familiarity that Todd Bowles has with so many of those defensive players. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles and how they're the
5: Georgia Eagles, right. maybe it might be the Georgia Bucks pretty soon. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, that third member of the Bulldogs. Uh, remember, this is a two-time national champion. We're talking about here at yeah. Kamari Lasseter. We're talking about Javon Bullard and Tykee Smith. All of those guys have two national championship rings under the belt. And uh, Lasseter is a cornerback. Um, it's interesting to note that both Smith and Bullard have some time in the slot. So there might be a situation where maybe one of those guys challenges for the nickel corner spot as well as, as opposed to having some some time at safety. Kamari Lassiter, three years there. Uh, one sack 14 pass breakups and an interception is a good cover corner and one thing that that um, uh, Kirby Smart said was uh, it, you look at, at the, the players that uh, that opted out of of the bowl game that they were in Kamari Lasseter could have opted out yeah and Kirby Smart made mention of him after the game saying this guy is a football player mm-hmm. he didn't want to opt out and You know, A lot of Florida State players opted out when they didn't make the national championship. The Georgia Bulldog players didn't. Lassiter's one of those guys that that didn't just start combine training. He wanted to play one final season. Of course, it was a blowout win for Georgia. Yeah, I think that's a great point when you talk about the bowl games and the big game
4: experience uh, with a lot of these players, especially the Georgia players. Uh, Brock Bowers mentioned during his little presser that the big games really helped him. And I feel like that's going to help all the big uh, Georgia players as they acclimate to the NFL, knowing that there isn't really a lot of pressure. Hey, I've played in the national right. championship game. I can play in, in the NFL. So for each of those guys, definitely see them being able to quickly acclimate
5: themselves in the NFL as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's keep it going with uh, the rest of, of the formal players. Now I've put in the chat, a list of all of the players that had formal and informal meetings today Really, too many to to list here. It would just be a kind of a waste of time. A lot of informal players uh, at cornerback and safety. But again, three formal visits uh, for safeties. We're talking about Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard. The next guy was a senior bowl guy, Cole Bishop, right? So, uh, no surprise there. Buccaneers like those senior bowl players. Cole Bishop really has an interesting skill set when you look at his ability to play in the box. 21-and-a-half tackles for loss. That's, that's exact same numbers Tyke Smith at. He's a bigger guy, though, 6'2", 205. And we've seen Todd Bowles kind of gravitate more towards some bigger corners. We saw Keanu Neal in Tampa yep. a couple of years ago. Last year it was Ryan Neal. So having a bigger guy, 6'2", 205, and seven and a half sacks, blitzing from the box, three interceptions, 12 pass breakups, four fumble recoveries, and a, and a forced fumble. He's around the ball a lot. Yeah, and you mentioned six two two zero five. That's actually the exact height and
4: weight of another safety, uh, Tyler Newbin, yeah. uh, the Minnesota Gopher safety. He briefly played with Antoine Winfield Jr. in 2019. I uh, spoke with him today, and he said that Antoine Winfield Jr. definitely set the standard of what it meant to be a Gopher, and it was somebody that he saw every practice watching film and really attacking and showing that intensity. He may not be an option yet for the Bucks, but
5: again – a taller guy, he has some, a lot of potential. Yeah. And the Buccaneers typically, as we talked about, have mined the second, third, fourth round for defensive backs. You think Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, those are second-round picks. Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean was a third-round pick. Uh, Jordan Whitehead was a fourth-round pick. Mike Time. Edwards was a third-round pick. Going back uh, to 2014, um, uh, Justin Edwards was a second-round pick, another safety Antoine Winfield Jr. was the second-round pick. Zion so McCollum. Zion McCollum was, was an early day three pick. So th- they've really kind of found that sweet spot between typically rounds two through four to get defensive backs. And, and I think if, if uh, maybe that's the reason why they didn't have formal interviews with the Cameron Kinchins, with the Tyler Newbin is because they have more pressing needs at other positions. But some of these guys, like a Cole Bishop, uh, might be available on, on day two or early day three. We'll see how, how they time. This is what Cole Bishop had to say at the podium today. What
0: was it like talking to Todd Bowles? He's a coach that really knows how to uh, work with safeties and yeah, defense backs. It, it
3: was good. Uh, obviously, he knows what he's talking about. Um, they got a lot of good safeties right now. Shoot, I like watching uh, Winfield a lot. So be able to see that, be able to meet with them was awesome.
0: What makes Winfield such a great player? I mean, he was first team all pro this year. Shoot,
3: I'd say his versatility. He blitzes, he covers, he plays deep. He does a lot of different things. Um, I've seen a lot of clips of him blitzing recently, so be able to see that. So it's pretty cool.
5: Yep. So that was Cole Bishop from Utah. Uh, those were the three safeties. Now the two Georgia guys and Cole Bishop. We already talked about. Kamari Lasseter, the Georgia cornerback. There's a couple of other cornerbacks that had formal visits with the Buccaneers. One of these guys, you talk about affiliations with Todd Bowles and the Georgia guys because of his son and because of Brian McClendon. Well, we just got Liam Cohen from the University of Kentucky. Lo and behold, Drew Phillips, the cornerback from Kentucky, whose stock is really rising despite not having any interceptions in his three years at Kentucky. He was one of the guys that had a formal interview today. And when you look at other Kentucky players,
4: it'll be really interesting to see later this week uh, whether Devin Leary, they try to get some insight from him. The the quarterback, yeah. Yeah, Ray Davis. And it's something to keep an eye on and maybe on the radar for the Bucs is meeting with these Kentucky players and especially Drew Phillips, another corner, again, maybe not a day one guy, but somebody that they can
5: add day two, day three, and get more depth at the position. Not the biggest guy, 5'11". 180 pounds. We'll see where the actual weigh-in numbers are. He might even be closer to 5'10". He's going to be a menace in the, in the nickel, I think. He, he was a really solid player in the slot, uh, but he also has some experience playing outside. Kind of has perfected the art of the pass breakup, but the no interception scares me a little bit. And the reason I say that is, is this team has a, a thirst for interceptions that needs to be quenched. Uh, Jamel Dean, what do you have? One interception last year, yep. two for Carlton Davis, none for Zion McCollum. Uh, it's, it, they've got to find some corners that can come up with takeaways. I mean, I long for the days where you had a Rondé Barber, you could pencil in three, four, six. You know, he had 10 one year, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly had eight in one season. So they really need to find some corners that, that have some sticky fingers and can, can pick up some of these passes and prevent touchdowns, but also take the ball away. Yeah, Help out the offense with some better field position due to interceptions. And I like Drew Phillips, but that's the one thing that really concerns me Because if you had three years to pick off a pass in college and you didn't do it, what's going to make me believe that you can do that in the NFL, and you talk about a guy like needing
4: to make plays at the next level. One guy that did a little bit at Clemson was Nate Wiggins, someone that the Bucs formally spoke with at the NFL Combine in 2022 and 2023. He recorded a defensive touchdown, which man, the Bucs could use one of those a defensive yeah, touchdown, absolutely. Because you look at the secondary, as you said, it's kind of like a desert where yeah. you're you're searching for for that water for that interception. And Nate Wiggins, he fits the role, kind of fits the bill, being a 6'2 cornerback. Having the NFL size and the capability to play and press man, as well as cover three, definitely is an intriguing option. And it's really interesting that the Bucs chose to meet with him because he's a first-round talent. Could the Bucs maybe target him in the first round? Uh, You mentioned earlier about the corners being kind of a day two, day three, and as well as that offensive lineman. But he may be the uh, like
5: differentiator in that blueprint. Yeah, for sure. You, you have to take the best player available, especially if you're picking a little bit later in the first round. You can't really reach trade down if if none of the guys really fit what you're looking for to get better value and stockpile some picks. But if you have a guy that's considered to be maybe a, a mid-first rounder and he does slide for whatever reason, maybe other positions get started to get uh, a run and uh, and he slides down the board. Nate Wiggins is a shutdown cornerback. Yeah, he had three interceptions, two pick sixes, as you mentioned, um, 21 pass breakups and as a two-year starter. So he, he had his hands on a lot of passes um, and, and uh, was one of the, the most amazing plays I saw last year in college football was against North Carolina. And it really wasn't against Drake May. It wasn't an interception per se, but what it was – was he tracked down their running back, their star uh, Tar Heels running back, at the goal line, very similar to what Antoine Winfield Jr. did twice last year, knocking the ball out and forcing a, uh, a touchback instead of a touchdown, um, literally one inch before he scored. And uh, it was a hustle play where he ran 60 yards um, and tracked the running back down, at, I think it was Amarion, their, their star running back, who's going to be a great running back next yeah. year, uh, at, at, at the last second. Those are the high effort hustle plays that, that you look for. That's an Anton Winfield Jr. type play. Oh,
4: yeah, for sure. And another cornerback that the Bucks met with, uh, we don't know if it was formal or informal, but the Auburn connection, yeah. DJ James. Uh, he met with the Bucs, and he has a lot of college experience. He played from 2019 to 2023, and he talked about today it being a, a potential blessing to play with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean with the Bucs. So another guy that could be an option and on
5: the radar. The interesting thing is Carlton Davis, you know, the, there, there might be a situation where he gets moved, perhaps even on draft day. Uh, they can save $6 million in cap room, not have to pay him that high uh, base salary, which is over $10 million this year. And the thing with Carlton is when he's healthy and on the field, he's really good. The only problem is, is he's not on the field a lot because of those injuries. They've started to accumulate. He's 27 years old this year and he doesn't have a lot of interceptions when he's on the field as it is. He had two last year, but maybe he's a player that you trade him while you still can get something for him. He's on the last year of his deal and you move Zion McCollum into the starting role opposite Jamal Dean. And then you draft a guy like a Nate Wiggins um, and groom him to be that player that might end up starting opposite Zion. And you move on from G- Jamil Dean perhaps next year as he advances through his contract. So uh, there is some logic and some reasoning there. If Nate Wiggins is on the board and he's the best player available at 26, you yeah. take him. And if Carlton Davis does get traded – they might look
4: for another physical cornerback. And somebody that fits the bill, talked to him today, uh, Wake Forest cornerback Kalen Carson. Yeah. He's probably my favorite cornerback to talk to today because he he exudes confidence. He said that he's the stickiest corner in the draft, uh, very versatile, very physical, and has four years of film to back it up. When you look at a lot of cornerbacks in the draft, uh, Nate Wiggins, he has two years of college experience, but other guys like Quinion Mitchell, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, on Arnold, They maybe only had one year. Carson's been doing it for four, and he's been going up against great competition. So he sounds like somebody that if the Bucs maybe move on from Davis and they look for that guy that can maybe box on the outside, Mm -hmm.
5: he fits the bill. And a lot of the the top upper echelon corners uh, did not get formal interviews with the Buccaneers. Um, Quinion Mitchell is one of those players, Cooley McKinstry. So that kind of gives you a little bit of insight into – uh, if, if they're going to draft a cornerback, probably going to be like the safeties, that day two spot. Yeah. But maybe Nate Wiggins is one of those players that you make an exception for if he's there. If you're going to make an exception uh, for, for yourself uh, when it comes to buying or selling a home, well, I'm going to tell you who's exceptional, and that is Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group. That's right. Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, they're the official realtor of Peter Report, The best thing about them that I can say is, because I've gotten to know Eric, he's a great guy. He's a huge Tampa Bay fan, a huge fan of Peter Report. So start the conversation there. Talk a little football and then see how Eric can help you either sell your house or find you a house in the Tampa Bay area, the state of Florida, or anywhere you live. That's right. He's part of the eXp Realty Group. They've got 85,000 agents across the country. It's a huge network. So if you're moving into the state of Florida, Eric can help you on both ends of the transaction, selling your house where you are and finding the house here in the great state of Florida. If you're moving around the state, well, he can certainly help you. He's got both bases covered there. If you do happen to leave the great state of Florida, again, Eric can help you sell your house here, get the most value for your home, and find you that new house somewhere else. Eric is a Tampa native. His father is stationed at MacDill Air Force Base. And he's got all the type of experience that you need in any different situation. Check out the website, housesinfla.com, housesinfla.com for the the full inventory, for their list of of open houses, or give Eric a call at 513-907-4271. No matter where you are on your home ownership journey, you're going to be in great hands with Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. I'm back, and we got a
0: a lot of fun stuff coming up on tomorrow's show as well because we are talking to the entertainment of football. That's right, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. I know there's a certain Kentucky running back that we're all very excited to um, get in contact with, and so tomorrow's title is: Will the Bucks draft a quarterback in 2024? Obviously, there's all these discussions with Baker Mayfield. Can they re-sign him? Can they get him for the right price? What happens to Mike Evans with the Baker Mayfield discussion as well? But it doesn't necessarily rule out the Bucks drafting a quarterback in this year's draft. Remember, Kyle Trask is only under contract for another year and doesn't really seem like the Bucks have yeah. many
5: plans with Kyle Trask. So we could be seeing the Bucks quarterback yeah. of the future. I just had a conversation today with Chris Sims. I know Chris Sims is a bit of a polarizing figure. Um, he's got some some different opinions for NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk. But at the same time, he does know the quarterback position and he was a quarterback here in Tampa. I've got to know Chris while he was here. And uh, so I, I asked him, I said, Baker Mayfield's going to get re signed more than likely. What do you do with Kyle Trask? He's entering the final year of his deal. And he says, "You look no further than the 49ers just a couple of years ago. It's like, you need to have quality backups because anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You can't have your entire season go down the tubes because you lost your quarterback. The 49ers, boy, they had a great recovery going from Jimmy G yeah. and Trey Lance to all of a sudden Brock Purdy. They made it all the way to the NFC, South or the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy, and then he gets hurt, and they ran out of quarterbacks. So uh, having an extra guy is great. Sims – is one of those who believes, and, and I believe it as well, draft the quarterback to compete with Kyle Trask. And you're going to need a third-string quarterback anyways. Maybe John Wolford becomes that guy like Ryan Griffin, who was on the mm-hmm. practice squad. But we'll talk to quarterbacks, wide receivers. The Bucks are going to need another one of those for sure. And running backs tomorrow here at the combine.
0: Yeah, should be a, uh, a really fun time for sure. And in the meantime, make sure you check out all of our social media for – um, the latest information about your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, you can find us on X, Threads, Facebook and Instagram over at Pewter Report. And our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We got tons of video from the Combine. Much more to come as well, both tonight, tomorrow, and really the, the rest of the week. So please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Once again, that's Peter Report TV. And please leave a comment on this video. Um, after once the once the video was done it could be go bucks it could be hey i, I really love the georgia defensive backs really whatever you want um, helps with our algorithm and trying to grow our subscribers as much as we possibly can and
5: bring more content to you the Peter people that's right we've had a fun time here in india so yes, far it got, it got really cold all of a sudden but <laughs> um uh, it's heating up over there as we see the 40-yard dash times come in for some of these big defensive linemen, edge rushers and linebackers today. So uh, stay tuned for more coverage here from Peter reports from Indianapolis. We'll be here through Saturday when we talk to interior offensive line, and then we'll recap that particular uh, day's worth of interviews on our Monday podcast. And of course, next Monday, uh, 420, we're going to do roll call, but we have another podcast tomorrow. Yes, we do at 4 PM, a special Friday episode of the Peter
0: report podcast. So, um, until then, for Bailey Adams, for Adam Slavon, we'll give a shout out to Josh Capo yeah. as well. He's Scott Reynolds. I'm Matt Matera. Just saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Oh. Oh.